This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. As mentioned, we're going to talk uh, up the top in this hour about freedom of religion. And if we take freedom of religion to mean that the government does not interfere with the practice of religion, where do we draw that line? Very interesting case last week, and it was a split decision, a 2-1 decision at the Alberta Court of Appeal concerning the disfellowship practice within the Jehovah's Witness faith. As Joseph Breen writes in the National Post today, courts can overturn religious edicts when churches act unfairly. The Alberta Court of Appeal has allowed a Calgary real estate agent to challenge his shunning or disfellowship from a community of Jehovah's Witnesses. But the court's decision was split 2-1 as the dissenting judge decided the church is less like a public company and more like a private bridge club which may choose whomever it pleases as a, as a member. It means the case may now be appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada, which last addressed this issue 25 years ago when it sided with a man expelled from a Hutterite colony. Now, these kinds of disfellowship or expulsions can be very personal and very painful. As I alluded to at the outset of the program, and I watched the documentary Going Clear over the weekend, this film about the Church of Scientology and their practice of disconnection, where families are essentially divided, broken up. You know, the one woman who tearfully describes uh, how her daughter, so brainwashed by Scientology, basically came to her and said, I must disconnect from you. And that's that. And just how random and unfair and arbitrary it all seems. So do people in those kinds of situations have recourse with the courts? And on the other hand, I mean, churches argue that we have rules, we have Uh, foundational beliefs and principles that we expect followers to adhere to. And if somebody's not following those, maybe we should have the right to say, you know what, we don't want you to be a part of this anymore. The Catholic Church, for example, has the practice of excommunication. Well, joining us for some thoughts on on how the courts uh, have addressed this and the challenges it poses to the concept of uh, freedom of religion. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon, uh, Howard Kislovitz, who's an assistant professor of the Faculty of Law at the University of New Brunswick. Howard, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Did I get your last name right? Pretty close. Okay. Okay. No, it's good. I appreciate you making some time for us here today. I know you've written a lot about this issue. So um, is this decision from the Alberta Court of Appeal then more or less in keeping with how courts have previously addressed the matter? I think that's right. I think it is in keeping with the, with previous decisions. And, and let's bear in mind that there, there's quite a bit of uh, legal content stuffed into the word unfair that you use to, to introduce the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very often when courts uh, engage with these kinds of decisions, they're uh, hesitant to get involved in, in the substantive uh, disputes within a particular religious faith. So they, so they don't want to take a position on theological matters or metaphysical matters most of the time. Uh, where they find a bit more comfort in intervening is when uh, they're talking about uh, something the courts term natural justice, which uh, more recently the courts talk about it in the language of fairness or unfairness. And really what they're talking about uh, with respect to fairness and unfairness are three basic uh, requirements. When a decision is made about you that might have implications for you, the courts say that you should have a right to notice that the decision is going to be made. So if, if you are about to be expelled from your community, you should know that the meeting is going to happen where your, your membership is about to be adjudicated. 
Uh, you should also have the right to make some representations, so to have something to say about that decision. And the decision about you should be made by an impartial uh, body or an impartial decision maker. As to the substance of, of whether a religious organization can or cannot expel a member, the courts usually stop at that point. So uh, the case that you referred to uh, from the, uh, the 1990s regarding the Hatterian Brethren, uh, the decision in that case was that the, the, the Hutterite decision was not fair. It didn't comply with the principles of natural justice. But the substance of the decision could be made as long as it was made fairly. So in other words, the Hutterites can still excommunicate uh, or expel members, provided that they comply with those three principles that I talked about. Interesting. So if, if it's a theological matter where, um, you know, the Catholic Church says, we don't feel that this person is a good Catholic, the other person argues, no, I, I think I really am a good Catholic, the court can't be the theological referee then. That's exactly right, and they won't. The courts, in general, will not explicitly take a position uh, on those questions. So, what what we have here, uh, I think, as you as you noted uh, correctly earlier for, from the Alberta Court of Appeal, is a decision that the case can go forward. So it can be argued in front of the Court of Queen's Bench, and the argument uh, on behalf of of Mr. Wall will likely be that he was treated unfairly in some way, and even if he is successful usually all that that entitles him to is a redo. So the decision can be made again in a fair way, and it can still ultimately result in his shunning or excommunication, uh, provided that the requirements of fairness are met. That is usually how the courts go about these okay. kinds of So it's not, it's not uh, necessarily to overturn the decision or to somehow be compensated for the decision, but just to get a fair decision. Right. Usually the, the courts use the language of quashing, so the initial decision is quashed. It's as if it's never been made, but that doesn't mean a decision of the same substance cannot be made. It's only that it has to be made fairly. Well, and how much leeway then do, do religions get when it comes to that, that as you say, what is a, a legal concept of, of fairness then? Well, usually, as I said, the, the courts are concerned that uh, the person who's the subject of those decisions will be given notice that the decision is about to be made and, and with sufficient time to prepare for the hearing, will be given sufficient detail so that they know what to speak to and have an opportunity to speak to the allegations made about their uh, whether or not they've complied with the church's principles and that the decision is made by an impartial decision maker. So that's as long as they comply with those Three, generally speaking, uh, the courts will let decisions of religious bodies stand. Right. But even if that's all for show, I mean, it's easy to see how a predetermined decision can be dressed up in, in the appearance of that kind of fairness. Uh, I, I suppose, but the, the requirement of impartiality, provided that there is someone there who can act and, and in an impartial way within the religious organization, uh, provides, us, I think, a kind of a check on, on, on the the window dressing of a decision to make it look fair. Uh, if you have a, you know, within a particular religious community, someone perhaps not from the home community, uh, from the home locality, from the central organization, if the community is organized in that way to come in and make the decision, uh, it can provide uh, some uh, opportunity for the person who's being excommunicated to to have their arguments heard and, and, and treated fairly. Well, but it would still be someone within the faith. Are, are you still, are, are you able to get that impartiality or sufficient amount of impartiality 
Right. So the, I mean, that that has to be determined on a on a case by case basis. And sometimes there isn't anybody who is so far removed from the decision, in which case the courts will allow the people who are there to make the decision uh, in general. Um, so do you, do you find then that, that there's this this balance then? Because these charter rights, of course, as, as Section 1 lays out, are not absolute, that there are reasonable limits. Freedom of religion, though, is, I, I think, a pretty important principle that, that we adhere to in this country. So is this a reasonable infringement on that freedom? So it's a complicated question in part because of the way that the charter applies. So in... In this particular set of circumstances, what we're asking is, should the courts take jurisdiction? Uh, formally speaking, the charter applies to the legislatures and the executives of the various provinces. It doesn't formally apply to the judiciary. Uh, so that being said, the right of religious freedom is supposed to inform uh, the decisions of our courts, even if a, a right of religious freedom cannot necessarily be asserted against uh, the, the courts in the country. So the, the, one of the compelling arguments about this was raised in, in the 1970s before the charter even came into uh, existence. Another case involving a Hutterite community uh, where uh, there was a strong dissent by Justice Pigeon uh, at the time who, again, we were concerned with uh, the expulsion of members of a Hutterite community who said, we have to think about the religious freedom of those who were expelled as well. So you have religious freedom interests on both sides here. It's not mm -hmm. only the, the rights of the organized religion. Sometimes the people who are being expelled are being expelled because they have a new view, uh, a revised view of how to appropriately worship or how to appropriately behave that is inconsistent with their previous views. So we have to allow for an opportunity, said Justice Pijon, for these, per these people to change their minds without... Uh, drastic consequences. But then the, the house of worship and the religious, religious community itself is considered part of that because anybody who's expelled from a religion can still believe what they want to believe uh, and it doesn't necessarily change their beliefs but that these other practices do they go hand in hand with the belief itself? Well I, I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make is that to speak about religious freedom as if it only belongs to the church and not to the individual, you only, you're only seeing one side of the picture there. Uh, I think it's important uh, for principles of religious freedom that groups be able, be allowed some autonomy in, the, in their decision-making structures. Uh, to me, this uh, procedural view, this fairness view, which allows groups to make those kinds of decisions while still safeguarding some basic rights for individuals who are expelled from uh, communities strikes a, a balance that makes sure that uh, the more powerful members of a particular community have might have to answer for uh, for decisions that they make in some limited way. Right. Well, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe all is headed back to the Supreme Court of Canada. Howard, uh, we'll leave it there. Appreciate the insight uh, on this. Thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Thank you. All right, take care. Uh, Howard Kuslovitz is an assistant professor of the Faculty of Law at the University of New Brunswick. He's written extensively about this issue, matters uh, of religious freedom in Canada. So it's interesting the approach the court has taken here on these matters of expulsion, that churches, religions do have the right to expel whomever they want for the reasons they want, but that there must be some fairness in the process. That the church itself has freedom of religion, but I suppose so too then do the people who are potentially being 
expelled. Because obviously then they want to stay. They want to practice that religion. So it's not to overturn these decisions and it's not to take away the right to make these decisions as the courts have viewed it, but that there should be some fairness. So it is a case then of the court kind of putting some rules around how this is done. So I suppose the, the leader of, of a cult can't just wake up one day and says, say, you know, while I was sleeping, God spoke to me and he said, you, John Smith, you must go. So you're out. See you later. 974-8255 is a telephone number. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Some more thoughts on the implications of this case and whether it is a concerning infringement on freedom of religion. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.